to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, a podcast about history, true crime, and whatever life brings us. I'm Courtney, and every week I am joined by another fascinating person. Let's see what we're going to talk about this week. Welcome back, devotees. Guess who's back? <laughs> <It's> again. <laughs> Lindsay's still here. We still just got here. drinks. I'm still here. <laughs> Lindsay's back. Lindsay's back. Lindsay's back with a beer. <laughs> I got some yuzu oh, that's lager. beautiful. It's stuck to the lid now, but yeah, it's great. It's a uh, Japanese. Oh, on it. Yeah, cute little thing. It's pretty good. It's stuck to the thing now. I though. have um, <laughs> shocking whiskey. <laughs> Birthday, Birthday whiskey. Birthday yeah, it's a um, tin can. It's a uh, Colorado whiskey, blended whiskey. It's really smooth. My dad got it for me for my birthday. We had fun. Highly recommended if you can find it. And, and this has been True Crime Garage. <laughs> true Crime Goose Fest. Got it. Cool. I also have water, too, because we have another probably mega episode after this. I have, oh I have water, yeah. I'm uh, yeah. pacing myself, but also I have another beer in hand as we well. We are prepared. So go. Are you ready for Kentucky murder? I am. I'm, I don't want to be Kentucky murdered, but I'm ready to hear about a Kentucky murder. What is being a Kentucky murdered? Listen, <laughs> Kentucky murdered. Listeners, I please know, like, tweet at us what a, what you think a Kentucky murder is. Like, if you're gonna get Kentucky murdered, <laughs> what is it? And just hashtag Kentucky murdered with an E D at the end. <laughs> How does Lindsay? It has barns. You involved? get a barn on you. I don't know. It's very. Booth, even though that was that was Virginia, yeah. actually. I think. Oh wait, I got a train. You done train? No. What's in Kentucky? The Chickens? world's largest liquor store, <laughs> or not? The, or oh, at least the continental really? U.S.'s largest liquor store. It's right across the river. I've been. It's a great time. Wow. You should come visit. Well, Heather and I will take you to the sites of <laughs> Cincinnati. We have a famous hippo. We oh. take our our greater Cincinnati area is technically two states. It's fine. Um. So is the hippo yes. alive? You know the hippo. She's mm. famous internationally. Oh, cool. <laughs> yes. Fiona's very adorable. She wasn't supposed to survive, and then, because she was born premature, and so they had to raise her. Seriously, guys should look up Fiona the Hippo. She's adorable. Um, so, Michelle Maccabee was a Fort, Fort, or Fort Mitchell mother of two. She worked for... Oh, crap. Where did I put the name of the company? What? What is the company's name? Uh, she worked for a, a, basically an engineering company. Oh, and she, for 16 years, she was a logistics representative and did payroll duties. You know, the important person, the person who makes sure you get your paycheck. There she met her husband, Dan, and he also worked there. And they got married and had two daughters. And I love this because this is a lot of this is from the Dateline, the second, because there's two Datelines on this. This is from Return to the Early Shift. It's a Mankiewicz one. So if you love some Josh Mankiewicz, it's a good time. To see Josh make what's not for the murder. Like, it's horrible. Uh, so, this is in 2012. Oh, yes, very recent. recent. On Saturday, May 26th, the ADT alarm company had an alarm go off at. Let me just double check the name of this company because it's kind of important. I thought I had it in there. True friend. Okay, it, she works at Thermo, Fi- Thermo Fisher Scientific. So, it's scientific. Uh, they the equipment kind of company. They do things with science. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> um, so employee Tom Seaman did not get the call. So another employee um, got notified that the security system for the company had been active for the building had been activated. He 
later testifies that the alarm had been tripped in the past by birds flying into the building, which is terrifying, but... So, they don't know why it was tripped, but the alarm had been tripped in this building. You have to, like, you know, swipe in, swipe out. Security. So, on May 26th, or 29th, Michelle wakes up early for the early shift. Sorry, let me say that again. May 29th, Michelle woke up early for the her shift, and her husband, Dan, had the day off. They had a cute, super cute date night the night before. I just, I just love that they had date night. They'd been married for so many years, and they still have date nights. Um, her friend, Jennifer Schneider said quote she arrived super early that day it was the first day of the girl's summer vacation from school so she was planning on getting payroll done early so she could go home and spend time with her family end quote so there was a plan she gets to work at mm-hmm. 5 53 a.m and yeah. you know she has to get all the all the time cards in and she goes to her office she has to photocopy them and then locks them in her office so no one can tamper with mm-hmm. tom seaman testified that he did not recall seeing either of the janitors at the offices in uh or one janitor specifically in the offices of thermo fisher scientific the weeks before michelle's murder this will come up later an hour later a supervisor notices there's a red stain on the carpet so that's not normal an hour later so it's now like almost seven it's about uh yeah about seven so he takes the janitor david dooley and they search for the source of you know the giant red stain that's if you saw it at your work you'd be like huh probably should figure out where that's coming from and stop it they discover a body in the office and it is michelle and pretty much at this time there's not that many people off at the floor and i believe it was like a holiday around that time too so there was even less people coming into the building it was kind of like a more of a skeleton uh-huh. crew. What day? What day? May twenty um, ninth. Is this? So it might be okay. Oh right, and her kids yeah. are off for summer and everything. How old is um, she? I believe she's in her late thirties. Yeah. Okay. Mid to late thirties. So pretty much, they realized someone in the building had to have murdered her. Like someone who was already working. There and there was a plastic yeah. bag over Michelle's head. The police arrived and looking at the scene, they realized she was dragged around the corner. Someone had also tried to pry into her office, so they think she walked up on someone trying to break into her office. They drag her around the corner, kill her, and uh, basically they he, they didn't manage to get in. How how did they kill her? Because there was a giant I will blood get stain. To that in the trial, because oh, okay. the, they have the former medical examiner. I have quotes from him. So. The co-workers manage to get a hold of her husband, Dan, and he rushes to the office. Uh, the police, because he would remember, he, it's his day off. So I laugh at, at a point in deal and he goes, I was doing what any normal person would be doing at like six in the morning, sleeping. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it's just such a great line. He's just like, I was sleeping. And it's a horrible alibi, <laughs> but it's what anyone would be doing at six in the morning. <laughs> so. Yeah. He had to go up and ask the police, like, he goes, my wife works here, what happened? And they had to break the news to him and then um, take him downtown to the station to take a polygraph, which he passed. So they're like, okay, which, I mean, I know polygraphs don't really give guilt or innocence, but they were, like, kind of looking at it, like, okay, kind of makes sense. So there's 13 people who were working that morning, and they have to go through all 13, so they take dna they check all their shoes and everything like that no one looks suspicious so they discovered her body her clothes plastic wrap her purse a bag of time cards and 
her office door, hallway carpet, and pretty much most of the areas around her office had to be extensively processed by crime scene analysis. They got DNA samples from her body, purse, and the bag of time cards. Because think about it, if someone's going to do something, they're probably going after those time cards. Because what else what mm. else would she have of value? Like, if you're trying to break into her office, it was time card. It was, like, payday. So if you're doing, like, maybe you want to change your hours. Maybe you had something kinky in there. Damn, that's so intense, though. You want to, you kill some lady, like, because you want to change the <laughs> hours like on your time okay okay (laughs) so there was unknown dna profiles obtained but none of them matched uh the employee who was later arrested none of the prints hair or fiber tool marks or any other forensic matched the suspect in the crime so this is a weird case Hmm. and i'm gonna let you determine if it's solved or not at the end there is someone in jail for it, okay. but so mm-hmm. detectives looked through the surveillance. The janitor, David Dooley's truck, was noticed leaving at 6.31 a.m. and returns around 7 a.m. And he's the only person who leaves the entire time between Michelle mm-hmm. getting there and, like, Michelle um, being found. Yeah. Being so it's silent. like, huh. Like, this is weird. We already talked to him. So they're like, okay, they go to, to his apartment. He goes, David's uh, reasoning was he went to check on his wife. Because he couldn't get a hold of her. They both worked at Thermo Fisher as janitors. Yeah. So they questioned them separately and they recorded them both. The detectives did. And we have some issues because for Janet's uh, recording, there's certain points that are ineligible. Like you can't understand what she's saying really. And if you try to listen, it's just like. I don't know. It might have been where the mic was or what. Detectives. And this is these quotes are from Dateline detectives she said she didn't see him janet that he came home and he ripped his pants and needed a new pair um so basically they're telling you you said you didn't see him she's like well he came home and because he ripped his pants and needed a new pair so because you know you're a janitor maybe you rip your pants doing something and that remember is not what david said david came home to check on her and weirdly they had a, the Dateline found a Thermo executive had said the same thing. Like his one of his bosses, David, he goes, yeah, David came up and said, yeah, I went home to get a new pair of pants because I ripped my pants. And it's just like, but he denies 100% that he ever went home because he ripped his pants. He still is saying, I went home to check on my wife. Yeah. Huh. Well, this is enough to get Julie arrested and charged with the murder of Michelle. His trial was in 2014. So two years later. And I have dates because this goes all the way up to this year. Okay, so ho, 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 just for the timeline. So she got to work yes. five fifty three. She's found when about an hour later. So around seven. Oh, right, right, around seven. But then he was gone from like six thirty or something yeah. to seven. Oh, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything because he was. Yeah, happened before. So then. he was gone from six thirty to around okay. seven. Um, and it there's conjecture on why he was gone, which right. will come right, up right, right, right. a lot. Let me tell you. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, because uh, they're like, it's weird. And, you know, they're like, well, he could be leaving because he has, like, evidence in his truck. Because he has this big red truck and he could have thrown it in uh-huh. the back and gotten rid of it. Because initially uh-huh. his wife said she didn't see him. So it's uh-huh. like a lot of initially. Initially. Yeah, so there's so weird because sometimes she'll say, she, they're like, first she said she didn't see him that day um, until he got released from questioning. Then she was like, no, he came home because he had to change his pants. And that's the story she's been sticking. And it's just so weird. Okay. It's like so many weird things. Um, So his trial in 2014. So you have the prosecutor, Linda Tolly-Smith, who me, I love this. She immediately goes, 
we don't have a smoking gun in this case. And I was like, I love it. You're just like, we're going to tell you it's just so circumstantial that this has to have happened, you know? Uh, I see. But Dooley is the only person in the prosecutor's eyes who could have done it. She, They show where everyone else was in the warehouse. And so, the motive. Because you're like, this seems like a motiveless crime. Why would he just beat a woman to death? Because, I mean, she was, I mean, Michelle apparently was horribly beat to death. Julie was breaking into the office when Michelle stumbled upon it because they thought she he was uh, double dipping with his wife, the other janitor, Janet. I just realized it's Janet, the janitor. And then, <laughs> oh, that just hit me. Um, so basically, David and Janet would get a salary for doing the janitorial work, but they were also uh-huh. clocking in. So he would clock her in when he came to work. And she, even when she wasn't working, that's why I said it was weird that they hadn't seen one of the janitors for a couple of weeks. And even though she was still she technically was... getting clocked in and out. So they're getting like three paychecks then. So they're I like, see. huh, the, they're like, this is the motive. Especially because, so like I said, Michelle had been beaten. She was beat with an industrial tape gun. So that's, you know, that's like a big tape gun. Yeah. Um, and this is going to be coming from uh, former medical examiner Greg Gregory uh, Wagner. And this is from court transcripts. He this is a pretty rugged tape dispenser. He shows the jury how the different parts of the tape uh, gun could be used to beat someone. He said uh, he's showing like you know hey this is how it would have had this impact. He, he describes the four devastating blows to the head. Quote: I've drawn lines where the fractures are, and you can see there are quite a few fractures on the skull. End quote. He tells the jurors that Michelle's hands were tied behind her and her wrists uh, were cut. So, like, her, he probably taped her hands behind her back, and it's, like, cutting into her skin uh-huh. because of it. Oh, I see. Yeah. So she had a bag over her mm-hmm. head, though, too, right? You said? Like, what kind of bag? Uh, they never like, really say. So uh, she also suffered a broken arm during the attack, possibly from being carried after she was unconscious. So they, like, beat her unconscious. Kind of set like all that. Uh, among like kind of like the worst part of it, Wagner told the court he believed that Maccabee may have been alive for the entire beating. Quote: When we see the brainstem intact, and this one is intact, we know she didn't die instantaneously. End quote. So it's just like she suffered a horrible death where she was beaten. She probably had a bag tied around her head, so she they like she would also like maybe suffocate, and she couldn't see them. Her arm and it had broken. Her wrists are behind her back. It's just horrible. So yeah. that's not a a clean murder. It's very messy. There's blood probably everywhere. But how yeah. how did he get away? If he's like all covered in blood, how did no one be like, "Hey, right, you're all covered in blood, David. What's going on?" Yeah, or like footprints or anything like that. Um, Nothing. I think there were some footprints, but not a lot. Well, remember he's a janitor, so the prosecutor said. He yeah. has his perfect murder cleanup kit right there. Right. So right he could have put everything in the garbage can, cleaned up himself, and thrown away all the evidence. Because they never found the tape. So a lot of the huh. evidence is missing. Like, well, they know for sure that it was a tape gun, though? Because if she was still alive, it, there would have been bruises and stuff like that would have left a bruise. It would have been, mm-hmm. and probably the way it was. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. I'm assuming the experts knew. Yeah. So, on top of that, he really, his real problem was his second interview, interview, where he changed his story, and he had a lack of 
collaboration with his wife. Collaboration with his wife. So the defense goes and says, there's no evidence. There's no hard evidence. Everything's circumstantial. You can't convict our, our client because everything, like, nothing to incriminate him. Right. So on Dateline, Julie says the misunderstandings between him and his wife are due to his wife's bad hearing. So apparently she has really, really bad hearing. It's hard. Like, she mostly reads lips. And she takes visual cues, so mm-hmm. she he goes, she probably didn't realize, and she just saw he dropped off a pair of ripped pants. And so she's like, oh, he just ripped his pants as getting another pair of pants, instead of being like, oh, she's he's checking on me. Because if you can't hear. So that's, that is... That is their case on why there's confusion in their stories. Is because she didn't know why he was there, but I thought she originally said, yeah. oh, right, so right. She, okay, he bad. probably came yeah. in, said something. She didn't really hear what he said and then saw him drop off a pair. Like they may, they might've been in his truck or something and just dropped off a pair of pants. And he was like, oh, you're, you're okay. You're good. Okay. And dropped off the pants and like left. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh. He ripped his pants and picked up a new, must have gotten a new pair or something like that. Because if you think about mm. it, anyone, if you don't hear what someone says and then they drop off something, you're like, oh, they just, That's yeah. That's probably what. And she probably just kind of forgot before because, you know, it's a weird situation. They did collect DNA from the scene and it did not match Dooley's. So on top of that. And the defense claims the they never looked into what set off the security system three days before. Remember that... Her um, Michelle's coworker said, "You know, he missed the call, but there had been birds that had flown into the building and had set it off before." Oh yeah. And then we get into, um, like I said, the motive was they called it triple dipping because he was clocking himself in and his wife in, and they were getting a salary. And they he was trying to get the time cards from Michelle's office because he thought she had found out about the scam. Which hmm. both of them said, "Why would we kill someone for this? Like, we'd probably be like." were to leave or something like that because yeah. this is an interesting dateline because they have Dooley, his wife and then michelle's family on it which never happens on a dateline <laughs> so the jury goes out and after 16 hours so technically two days they come back and Dooley is found guilty to a life sentence in prison and he immediately appeals this because he goes i'm innocent about two years later we have an interesting update so this is about 2016 2017 there's a whistleblower that reveals that uh, the attorney, Linda Tolly Smith, and Detective McVeigh were, uh, Bruce McKay, were having an affair during this time. The attorney and the who else? What? The state's attorney, so the, the, the public prosecutor, mm-hmm. and the detective right. on the case were having an affair at the time. Okay. Um, which I, I, love, I was reading an article on it, and it's like, Smith, who was and still and is married to the district court judge, I was just like, oh, man. Oh, this is God. a whole bunch. She, um, she said in the public documentation, quote, personal mistakes during an extremely difficult period of my life have not impacted the work I have done as a Commonwealth, the Commonwealth's attorney or the rights of any persons prosecuted by my office, unquote. So don't worry. It'll, I'll bring up why this is coming up. So, on top of it, I just loved Smith uh, sent sent an email that she absolutely regrets her affair with McVeigh because the pain she has caused her family and other people. And, of course, if you have this affair that comes out because that is extremely shady, 
all your correspondence becomes public between the two people. Anything you talk about between the two people becomes public. Yeah, the city of Cincinnati was having a problem with that because um, council members had a private group chat. And it was like, if there's more than like three people, it technically is a meeting. So it has to be public record. And it needs to have public there. Oh, wow. And you could like influence things. And because not everyone was on it, it was just like this crazy thing that was going on in the city because they're like, what did they talk about? And all of this. So you have to right. like, yeah. So the question was, did this affect Julie's case? Maybe. <laughs> so Julie's <laughs> lawyer, and I love it. It's a powerful woman lawyer. She's in there like taken, taken no prisoners. So I have uh, quotes from her questioning over the case. And I just love... McVeigh had to admit that he and Tolly Smith had secret code names for each other. And I just included it in there because I thought it was hilarious that they had code names. Denison, quote, what was her code name? McVeigh, quote, um, I think, end quote, uh, Denison, Chiquita Queen? <laughs> McVeigh, Chiquita Queen, yes, end quote. Which, I mean, I'm going to include a picture of her. Not the not the code name I would have picked for her. I'm sorry. Chiquita Queen. No, she's, she's like a tiny blonde lady. Like, no. <laughs> so then um, Smith is on the, the prosecutors in the hot seat, which we'll get to what happens to both of them. Smith, quote, don't, so don't I get a chance to explain it, Denison? I didn't ask you to explain it. She can ask you to explain it if you want to. You're not controlling this anymore. You're not the Commonwealth attorney right here. And I was just like, oh. Oh. Okay, so then we get to the really good point where um, Tolly Smith throws the detective lover under the bus because I love that. This is how they were the the problem. They had a Brady violation in this case because there was a tape found and they called him the random dude, where it was a guy who looked like was trying to get into the building like early, like twelve hours earlier, and. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god. What's a Brady violation? The defense doesn't turn, or the prosecutor doesn't turn all the evidence over. Listeners, if you're interested to learn more about Brady violations, go listen to the Getting Off podcast. I believe they go over them quite extensively numerous times. (laughs) (laughs) I'm obviously not a consistent listener of the Getting Off pod. I just, like, another, like, there's been other major cases where Brady violations come up, but this one, basically they had found this tape and Detective McVeigh says it didn't matter. So he didn't turn it over and he didn't even tell the prosecutor, supposedly. Um, and she found out about it and was not pleased. So when she throws him under the bus, Tolly Smith says, quote, before I tried this case, I did not know anything about the person walking. I did not find out about it until Bruce McVeigh told me Months after the trial was over. If he's willing to lie in a case report, then he's obviously lied to me about everything there is to lie about, end quote. So it's just like, "Mm -hmm." I mean, that's poisoning the well. Yeah, so they're like, okay, so what else are you going to do? On top of it, there's an 18-page letter that the prosecutor wrote about her former lover being a liar, and they read it in court. And you're just like... Oh God! Oh then my you're God! Just, like, drinking that tea, <laughs> you know. And uh, this seriously, watch the two Dateline up, ep- like, or at least watch the newer Dateline episode because you're just like, what is happening? That she's just going off on it, yeah. and she basically goes off. He hid the truth about the surveillance video, 
which is a random man on the video the day of Michelle's murder. They never, the police never looked for him. They never passed the video onto the defense. And she's like, so Tolly Smith, she could have gone to, like, she could have gone to the defense. She could have gone to, you know, the courts and said, hey, I just found out about this. Like, she could have done something. So she's yeah. not blameless in this, but she acts like, she goes, right. I didn't do anything to correct it because it's not proof that there was another person but it's like did they check the other cam like other other cameras like there's so many questions on like kind of that's what i was wondering because you said exactly the time that she got there it was like 5 53 and so and you said that they had to like yeah. swipe right so that's probably how they know the exact minute and so i'm just thinking a place with that kind of technology probably as cameras and it's weird yeah. that they didn't yeah no I it's weird because like they saw him like there's like the park the parking lot is empty and they didn't like they know when she came in and when Dooley leaves because they can see it on the surveillance camera because it faces the ro- the parking lot on the road. So they see the guy, he walks mm-hmm. up the road, he goes up to one of the doors, and then he walks further down, but we never see him, like, they never said he left, you know, anything like that. And so you're like, weird, this is really weird. And, yeah. uh, don't worry, you'll find out what the defense says it was. And McVeigh goes, <laughs> I'm positive it wasn't the killer. So, yeah. The detective was like, no, we're good. This random guy walking <laughs> on this really, on like this property, and it, we're sure it's not him. It's cool, guys. It's cool. <laughs> so the case gets thrown out. Uh, Tolly Smith had been called to resign. She actually doesn't get reelected. So, because she's in an elected position. Mm-hmm. And McVeigh retired mm-hmm. in 2016. So they both kind of get like, bye bye. They're literally yeah. David Spade in the airplane sketch from SNL. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> like you made us look a fool. Because this was national news. Like this has been on Nancy Gray's. Like so September 2018. Because I found this out afterwards, which I did not know. Um, there are Boone County court records saying that David Dooley is accused of possessing or viewing material portraying uh, sexual performance. Involving someone younger than 16, a.k.a. kitty porn, too, on top of it. Right. And there's no update on this, but yeah. So he also is combating kitty porn charges, which he's been in jail for a couple of years, so I was like, okay. Dislike. Um, he tried it. He, he was charged with it in September of 2018, and he denied, he wanted it sealed so people wouldn't know. Because I'm guessing he would assume it was going to affect his new murder trial, which mm-hmm. comes up this year. This was at the beginning. Yeah, the new murder this... trial already happened at the beginning of this year. Oh. So, it's over now. So, at his new trial, the Kentucky AG's office in, took over the prosecution. So, they're like, we're not doing local this time. We're going to bring in state people. And the assist, assistant okay. state attorney took over. So, you know, that random dude photo video. Oh, you know what it is? He's throwing away a piece of trash. There's a garbage can right there. He's not pulling on the door. It's, he's just throwing away some trash. Doesn't address where he goes. Goes back. Julie is the only one who left the compound in the entire time. And he's like, you know what? One thing that would be covered with blood that he couldn't get rid of would be his work boots. And we never found the boots. Yeah. Ooh. And he goes, well, if he's going to, if he's worried about his wife and he's going to call her and figure out that, they look at his phone records. He only did one call. <sighs> This guy, I don't know. I don't know, but this guy, like, how can you not have the tape gun or the boots and only have called once? And also, he, like, it was six in the morning or whatever time. So, like, how, why wouldn't the wife also be sleeping? Yeah. Like, 
Yeah. I don't know. So he only called her once and didn't text her before going to check on her. He goes over Janet's interview and her answer. And he goes, you know, we have another interview. So there's there's a couple interviews because they brought him in to, like, just basically go over and, like, this is what you said. Yes. Da, 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 da. And she was agreeing with the detectives about um, her answers. So it was just like, he's like, why is she agreeing if she thinks her, like, if she doesn't think her husband did it? Like, what's going on? And he mm-hmm. just continues the first prosecutor's theory because they never found either of the Dooley's time cards from that week. They were the only two missing. Also, he goes, we found a screwdriver in the locked janitor's closet that's the same size as the one used in the office door. And my thought is on that, you know, screwdrivers, a lot of people have them. They're like, it could just be a coincidence. How do you know? Maybe there's multiple of them. I don't know. Well, also, there seem to be multiple janitors showing up to work. Yeah. It seems like they... There are people with access to those screwdrivers. I have a question. Did you see the video of the rando dropping something? Does it look like he was trying to get in or was he like sketchy? Was he It was just weird because it's like not an area I would think you would walk. I don't know what's on the other side of the camera. So it's like because it's it's facing. Yeah, so it's facing the part of the parking lot, not the entire parking lot either, I might mention, and to the road. So it's one of the entrances. And so he could either be pulling on the door or dropping something off. It's kind of hard. Like, it's interesting to look at. So it could be either or because it was a quick motion. Like, you know, if you lean over, you quickly grab it. It's the kind of the same motion as dropping something. You're like, oh, if you're at the same height. Because it could be a big trash can, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. My question would be, where did he go after that? Like, don't you think there'd be another camera? That's my yeah. question. I was more like, where did he go after it? So you're saying he could be either or, and you never. And also, I was pro. I was, thought it was problematic that they never looked for him. Yeah, that is problematic. But also, so these things that are missing, like, where does this guy David Dooley say they he, are? He says he's innocent. He just went. He drove home to check on his wife, and he came straight back. But he has no like explanation of where his boots are well he was wearing his boots that day i believe he they were supposed to be wearing steel-toed boots and he never wore steel-toed boots which was kind of a violation but no one called him out on it i guess it seems like he's not the best employee in general anyway so defense they go they're basically looking for it's not our guy but who else could it be like you know put throwing that doubt around so they're like her husband Mm -hmm. dan could be after the insurance money because he would receive a seven hundred thousand life insurance policy from his like her dad, so that's a that's a nice sum of money with two girls, and they look about in the they're interviewed in the second Dateline, and they look about getting ready to be in college. You know, I don't know. They were like they were fighting. Mm-hmm. They could have had issues, and um, he could have hired a hitman to kill his wife to get the money. So they're just throwing some doubt around, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. They couldn't introduce the prosecutor's letter, the former prosecutor's letters into it. So they couldn't basically say, we have a former prosecutor saying the lead detective is a liar and lied about things and like withheld this. and uh, But they do get that random dude video. So they're like, who could this guy be? We don't know. The police never looked for him. He could be our person. They've already like pointed out that there's security issues here. Like someone, It seemed like someone tried to break in a couple days before. What do we know? Right. Um, 
go then then they go after the state's theory of motive. They're like, okay, so they're double dipping, triple dipping, however many dips this is, <laughs> however many dips. <laughs> I love, I love fun dip. Fun dip is they're super fun. They're fun dipping into the payroll. I like the stick thing. And <laughs> they're like, Julie and his wife both admitted they would not have killed if they were found out. They probably would have like moved on, and that especially because the attack was so brutal. Like, I'm sorry, hitting someone that like a bunch of times with a tape gun is a bit of a rage kill to me. Feeling you know, and especially yeah. like with tying her up and like really making sure she was dead. And they're like, it had to be personal. So it that's what I was. Thinking so they push it back on the husband. They're like, it could be the husband. It could be the husband. And they go, hey, remember how you said you couldn't find the boots? Look at these evidence photos. What you see in the closet? Hey, look, it's his work boots. You thought they were steel toe boots. Oh my gosh. But guess what, motherfuckers? They're not, because he was breaking that rule. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, he apparently wasn't the only person who didn't wear steel toe boots, but I was like, that seems pretty dumb. You could lose toes that way and other things. Like, you mess up your feet pretty bad, but. So, they send the jury away. Seven hours later, they come back, and Julie is guilty again. Julie is still protesting his innocence now, and he is eligible for life in prison this time. And he has, uh, the, ju- the jury recommended 38 years for murder, five for tampering with evidence with um, evidence uh, conviction. So basically, because the evidence is gone, they're like, mm, that's what it is. Um, so they determined he'll be eligible for pr- Role after 85% or 36.5 years of his murder sentence and 15% of his tampering sentence. But he was also credited with the seven years he had served in jail and prison since his arrest in 2012. So he, he's going to get out mm-hmm. probably in uh, under 30 years. From 2019. From, from April. This is in April. The sen- It oh. came out in April, the sentencing. How old is this guy? He looks like he's in his 30s or if not 40s. Like, late 30s, early 40s. Um, okay. Then again, prison so, ages everyone so much. Uh, so do you think he did it? I mean, I don't know. But but it seems like it seems like there's reasonable doubt is yeah. a thing of it. And so according to our laws, like, he shouldn't be in prison for three decades if there is reasonable doubt. And, I mean, with the kitty porn thing, what I was thinking of is, like, they only found that when they were investigating, so that doesn't really count, right? That, that doesn't count, count for the right? murder. That'll be a separate charge. But they can't yeah. charge him with that? Oh, yeah. If they find it? Oh, okay. No, you can, it, it'll be a new additional charge, because, like, if you're in prison and you do something, you can get additional charges. So he's going to be back in court again for kitty porn charges. Yeah. Oh, but, I mean, mm. I don't know how strict Kentucky it laws are on that. Um, well, hopefully. <gasps> hopefully it's strict we're all like please be strict and he's like yeah i just i just wasn't sure if that was allowed like you have a warrant for something and then like find other things like can you be uh charged or whatever um did he do it i mean seems like he does a lot of other things but also that doesn't necessarily mean that he murders people you know yeah like uh, i mean and without there being someone else like oh this other person could have done it like then it's for regular people it's just like oh well then he probably yeah you know but i think i if i were on the jury i don't think i would be able to like say let's send this person away for Mm -hmm. 30 years you know because it's possible he didn't what do you think i i don't 
believe he didn't do it, but I also like the fact the random guy we they don't show us where he goes. Like there's there there is reasonable uh-huh. doubt. Like he could, yeah, he would have had he might have had time to like get rid of stuff and. But where would he have gotten rid of stuff? I mean, it's 2012ish, right? And so isn't there? I'm surprised at the lack of footage of like cameras yeah, and stuff. So he could have gotten rid of it on his way to and from his wife's like his apartment. He could have dropped it off in a random trash can. That's what they were saying originally is like he didn't go see his wife. He just went and dumped the evidence because he put it all in a trash bag and got rid of it. Uh-huh. And then like probably uh-huh. stopped on the way to see his wife, dumped it out and kept going. But we like it doesn't. I mean, they have the video of him leaving. They have the video of Michelle arriving and then they show the random dude video. And I'm like, okay, well, is there another camera here? Because it seems like there should be another camera. And that's my yeah. question. Like, I could see, I could see, yes, like, if she had found out that they were stealing and she was going to report them and there was going to be charges, did he want to protect his wife? That would be a good motive. He would be like, I don't want my wife to go to jail, like, or prison. But it's very much, uh, there's nothing that concrete, because we don't know that she, like, there's no proof that she knew they were stealing. And Mm. I don't know how strict, like, it would be. It's such... That's really rough, because weren't there time cards missing as well? They were the only time cards missing or whatever? And I, just because they already hid the tapes, it's hard to believe what the, like, the prosecutor's saying at points, too, because their credibility is kind of shot when you find out there is a Brady violation involved and, like, they got caught and all the stuff they were saying. It's just like, I don't know how I feel about it. So it's a very, it's a very contentious one. Yeah, listeners, <sighs> please let us know if you think David Dooley did it or someone else did it. Let us know your theories on any social media because we're stumped. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, it is true. Like, if you're going to, with a, with a tape gun or whatever, like, tie her up. Also, no one else heard anything, but you said there were in the warehouse there or whatever. So there's like a where it's a warehouse okay. and there's offices and she's in the offices and they, uh-huh. they could place everyone okay. else. So then the question becomes, uh-huh. are there cameras inside? Are they just in the warehouse? You know, not in the hallways and stuff like that. And there's just a lot of questions. But and they verify that the other like 12 mm-hmm. or however many people like were in places that they were should they should be or whatever that they for sure wasn't any yes. of those other people yeah yeah it's just is huh. it it's just kind of a conundrum and i know some it's very polarizing for people because they either believe he did it or he didn't and i'm just like you know it could be a combination of things it's just such a weird case in the end it sucks because two girls are growing up without their mother yeah of which course. you feel yeah. bad because like apparently she was a wonderful mother and you're like that's not fair to them and they want yeah. justice and i mean at least they think they got it so it's just it's just hard because yeah. his family is very adamant that he did not do it and so you have these two families kind of butting heads and his family wasn't he having an affair with janet the janitor though the two janitors were married janet and da- janet oh dooley janet the janitor is, is married it's janet dooley and david dooley they're married so who's the triple dipping, they, okay though? so triple dipping is they're getting paid a salary to do janitorial work. So when he comes uh-huh. into work, he clocks his wife in and himself in. So they're getting paid hourly as well. Oh. So they're getting two paychecks mm-hmm. for hourly work that he's only doing. And they're getting a salary. Yeah, Plus a salary. What a good dig. Jeez. I was like, that's actually kind of smart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's horrible to steal from your wow. employers. But like, damn. Like, they were talking about it. She's like, they're triple dipping. And I was like, triple dipping? 
And then, like, it, again, it's funny because some of these people, because they did the dateline the first after the first conviction, so that case goes through, so they interview all the people, so you have the original detectives doing all their datelining stuff, and then they have them again, like, they have it again after their affair has been exploded, they've had a very bad falling out, and now the case is getting retried, and you're just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, so the in case you were wondering, uh, the dateline is return to the early shift and the early shift. So those are the two. Or, like, murder on the early shift and return to the early shift. So if you want to see the datelines. And I believe there's also Nancy Grace on it, but I didn't watch it. Because I knew that I had, I had seen the dateline before, so I knew the dateline was pretty encompassing. But yeah. Yes. So, please let us know who you think did it, because we are very confused. We don't know. I, don't, I mean, it seems like it very much could be him, but also... If there's no evidence, like, I just feel like you can't yeah. convict. So, thank you, Lindsay, for coming yeah. back. Thank you. Again. Thank you, Courtney, for having me. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything really to plug other than the cult of domesticity, which you obviously We can plug, to, obviously. plug a spoop hour with Spoopney, because you've given us our names. Oh, we can plug. <laughs> yes. So, uh, spoop hour. What do they say? They're. they're- Something something a paranormal comedy podcast. podcast. <laughs> paranormal, yeah, paranormal comedy podcast. Yeah, great, great show with uh, another Courtney and Sasha, <laughs> the the two original OG <laughs> Courtneys of podcasting. Spokeney and Coltney, you know, they're great people to listen to. Obviously, you already listened to one. You should listen to the other one. <laughs> Just plugging all the Courtney shows. I think there's another one too. And I'm just like, I've never met so many Courtney's in my life. I'm sure there's another Courtney out there who podcasts. Probably their show is great too. Support yeah. all the Courtney's. <laughs> but mostly this Courtney that you you know and you love and you tune into every week. So Cult of Domesticity at Domestic Podcast. Uh do you got do you got do you got my plugs down? Because <laughs> I'm impressed if you got my plug down. You got you got the the Facebook, Twitter. So what's the Instagram one? Yeah, yeah. Domestic pod. Nope. Yeah. Cult of domesticity. Okay. Oh, that's Which Instagram. One? I don't. I mean, I, <laughs> you, obviously, I, know you follow them all. <laughs> I don't know. I I had a moment in my own show. I was when I had thirty three percent pulp. I was like, I was recording with Elisa Lucas, and I was like, wait. I don't remember what our things are. <laughs> she was like, um, it's at 33 underscore. Pop. I know them all. They're in my spreadsheet. <laughs> like, it's you. fine. I have a spreadsheet. So You're so organized. <laughs> See, if Courtney here was in charge of this Michelle Mockby thing, it would have been way more organized. There would have been spreadsheets. Oh, with so tabs. Many tabs. She saw my job hunting <laughs> spreadsheet. It's it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. But yeah. <laughs> so I don't know who's coming up next week, but it will be just as much fun. And hopefully Lindsay will be back many more times. Hopefully. We can yes. sing the song again. Every time. Every time. Please send <laughs> alternative versions of the Lindsay's Back song as well. I'll bring my recorder out or my stylophone and like <laughs> go do the little that that that. It'll be good. Okay. Be good. We need to end. <laughs> okay. Stop. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. Okay, Amy. 
Tell us what the podcast is about. True Crime Recaps Promo Take One. It's a conversation about crime. Like if you're on the phone with a friend who swears a lot. Episodes are less than 30 minutes. It's bite-sized chunks of true crime. Say your name. I'm your host, Amy Townsend. Wrap it up. True Crime Recaps, it's the fastest way to get your true crime fix. New episodes released weekly. Subscribe to True Crime Recaps wherever you get your podcasts or visit truecrimerecaps.com. Thank you. Newport Beach. The Pool House. Captain Oates. Chino. Ew. I'm Michelle. I'm Liz. And I'm Ingrid. And we're Let's Let's Talk Talk OC. We're the ladies that brought you Tree Hill Talk, and now we are on the West Coast talking about the early 2000s teen drama, The OC. Join us every Monday as we watch and review each episode. We hope you can join us. Alcatraz opened in 1934. I arrived in 1935. And I'm still here. I'm Charlie the Bagman Baglin. And I'm dead. Tune in every fortnight to hear about some of the nastiest inmates The Rock has had. Learn about Alcatraz, about me, and the fun I have with ghost hunters. I'm behind I'm you, Baggins. Bag- Episode 1 is about Al Capone, the banjo playing, tax dodging numpty. Join me, Charlie, from the 6th of October on Infernal Souls and Eternal Arseholes. Available on ACAST, Spotify, and most other podcast players. Welcome to Domesticity. We're available on all podcatchers. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to help spread the word, or just force other people to listen to it. Our Facebook and Twitter are at Domestic Podcasts, and our Instagram is at The Cult of Domesticity. We also have podcast merch at Threadless. Uh, as well, if you want to support us financially or show some appreciation, we have a PayPal tip jar and a Patreon, which has some pretty great perks. Any topic suggestions, feel free to email us at domesticpodcasts at gmail.com. Remember to stay domestic and cult-free.